Welcome to the Unplugged Podcast, where we believe that if you can breathe, you can meditate. All of the answers lie within you, and that you are one meditation away from feeling 10 times better. Today, you'll hear from the best meditation instructors in the world, whose only intention is to help you experience the life-changing benefits of meditation. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's meditation. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Unplugged Podcast. I'm so thrilled to bring to you Ben Decker, whose story is just so unbelievable. The thing that I want you to know about Ben is that he is hardcore authentic. What does that mean? That means that getting Ben to do anything that doesn't feel like it's in alignment with him is never going to happen. So One of the interesting things is Ben comes from a similar background to me in that um, he dealt with a lot of celebrities, a lot of publicists, a lot of red carpets, and then went the other direction quickly. And I'm going to have him share his story with you today because this is really a podcast about the person in your head, because you have to really trust the person that you are being guided by, your guide. I always think about the unplugged meditation teachers as the hero of the story. They stop me from stressing. They stop me from my anxiety. They help me fall asleep at night. They are the hero of my story every single day. And I'm really excited to introduce Ben Decker, especially because he's the man my mom goes to sleep with every single night. (laughs) How many people can do that, Ben? (laughs) Not very many people. Nope. (laughs) <laughs> ben, um, I would love to hear a little bit about, you know, how did you even get into all of this? I want to hear how we met, and I would love for you to kind of share your story with the Unplug audience. Definitely. Thank you so much, Susie. Thank you for having me. And um, yeah, we do have that similar background of coming from the uh, different dimensions of the entertainment industry, you know, but the entertainment industry is this major beast and we were both in it and uh yeah like you said there was a moment where i like you turned and went as far and as fast in the opposite direction as i possibly could and in some ways i went so far in the opposite direction that i like ended up uh, back in the same place on the other side of it so um you know growing up i uh had a mother who you remind me of you remind me of a of a a certain quality in my mom and maybe it's because you're a mother of boys um but i've got five brothers um one of them is adopted so my mom was the queen and she really was in her power as a mother and um had no problem parenting uh And she was really into meditation and yoga and psychology and self-help and and things like that. And um, I was also raised in a really religious household. And so my, the combination of what my mom was bringing and, and all the religious practices brought really supported my interest in things like meditation and contemplation and really the reality that we have the ability to interact with the world in ways that we we don't always think about um 
And so what I mean by that is we can do anything. You can create anything. You can go be anything. You can, you know, self-create, self-express in all different kinds of ways. And um, I think that if you were to talk to my parents, they would say when I was a little kid, I, it was impossible to get me to do something that was not honest for me to do. <laughs> like you were saying, if it's not working for me, I like can't do it. It like doesn't calculate right in the machine. Um, and I think that that's really what was happening in entertainment industry, in the entertainment industry. I moved to Los Angeles when I was 19 and um, I was bright eyed and bushy tailed, all excited to go work with the stars. I immediately got great work working with major studios, um, major red carpet events, uh, got to work with all kinds of amazing celebrities. I got to meet Gwyneth Paltrow and Robert Downey Jr. and Hugh Hefner. And for me, I was living the dream. And um, when you're young like that, you don't know how much of a toll some of that lifestyle is taking on you until it starts to catch up on you. And um, I think for me, what I started to find was I was successful. I was killing it. I was living the dream. But what was happening was even though my cars were getting nicer and nicer and my apartments were getting bigger and nicer and, and everything I was doing was more and more fabulous. Um, my body, I was gaining weight. I was really inflamed. I wasn't taking good care of my nutrition. I was definitely not taking good care of my mental health and emotional health. And, um, and was also as a byproduct, not paying attention to the health and mental health of the people I was around. And so sort of what, what became my big realization point was when one of my clients and dear friends died by suicide. And that was like this huge jarring point where it was like, wake up call. And I, it was like time froze that week. I found out that he died and then everything sort of like happened in slow motion around me. And I remember the moment I was meditating again, and I was really fortunate to have already been meditating. I was already a yoga instructor. I was already a hypnotherapist. I was already a Reiki practitioner. And, you know, so it was, I had a foundation of things that I had sort of ignored in the excitement of everything going on, you know. And um, I remember meditating in the car on the way to my friend's funeral who had just died by suicide, who had, I had been working with very closely. And I was feeling all this shame and guilt for not being able to intervene, not being able to do anything about it, not being more present with him. And while I was meditating, my phone started to ring and it was a number I didn't recognize and I ignored it. And then a number, another number I didn't recognize called and I ignored it. And then a friend I knew called and she worked at People Magazine. And I picked up the phone and she was like, I'm so sorry about your friend's death. I was wondering if you could give us a statement. And I realized it wasn't my friend calling to check in on me. It was my, it was a, it was a contact calling to get a statement. And I hung up the phone and I was like, never again. I'm not in this industry. This is a heartless industry, you know, and, and that's, that really, um, indicated a journey and as you know too it's it wasn't like I folded my arms and blinked my eyes and I was in a new career I um I had to phase that career out of entertainment and it, it was not easy because I was also navigating my own grief but I will say that that grief um 
experience, which is unfortunately less and less uncommon, was the thing that pivoted me. It was the thing that it was the straw that broke the camel's back. It was too much. It was not cool. I was not okay with the fact that this whole group of friends didn't see this friend's pain and that we weren't there for him and that we lost one and that he died and he put a gun to his head and ended his life. And we weren't there. We weren't there to take it out of his hand. We weren't there to be with him. And, um, and so about that time, I opened a spiritual center in Venice Beach, and we did not know what we were doing, and we were in way over our heads. Uh, but that was the first time I started to bring meditation out into the world in a public way, really through the suggestion of Marianne Williamson. Called her when my friend died. She said, she said, well, weren't you meditating with him? And I said, no. And she said, look, things like this happen. I want you to meet David Kessler. David Kessler was an amazing, amazing grief expert. He initiated me into the, the world as a grief counselor. And not long after that, I met this beautiful goddess of a woman named Susie Olive Shorts. So do you remember the the day that I, am, um, I muted myself, but now I'm giggling. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> uh, first of all, I don't remember. I think that I met you before the I have a memory that I identify as my official first time really engaging with you. But I there's something in my mind that when I met you, you were so familiar to me that I really felt like I had met you somewhere in passing at some point along the way. But do you remember the day that I came in to unplug right after you guys opened? A hundred percent. And you were wearing a suit and you were very <laughs> well groomed and you looked super chic and you walked in the door and you said, I want a teacher. <laughs> and I said, well, let me see how you look on the stage. And yep. I literally put you on the stage and had you kind of audition at that moment. And I really loved everything you did. And I was like, all right, when can you start? Was it like that? Yeah, something like that. What I really remember was that, um, yeah, you're right. I was all dressed up because I had this interview I, I had just done. And, and it was about meditation. And it was about making meditation more accessible. And, um, and so I'm like walking down the street. Well, I'm just choosing to walk down Wilshire and have a nice little morning in Santa Monica, Brentwood, you know, and um, I see this sign that says unplug meditation. And I was like, no kidding. Are you kidding? Okay, cool. And I walk in and you are standing there in this totally cute blouse. And I always picture you like in white pants in this memory, but but maybe it's just probably was. <laughs> probably were in white pants and uh, and you were talking to someone who had just walked in who didn't understand meditation and it was just a walk-in and um, I don't know that he ever came back again or anything like that but I watched how you engaged with him while I waited I stepped in and I just sort of stood in the background while you were talking to him and um he said, I don't really understand meditation. And you said, well, do you go to Starbucks? And he said, yeah, I go to Starbucks. And you said, well, think about a Starbucks meditation, okay? So you're in line and I just try to be really present when I'm standing in line. 
and I'm listening to the music, I'm noticing the smell in the room, I'm looking around. And then when it's my turn to order, I look the barista in the eye, I, maybe I say her name, um, you know, when I'm waiting for, you know, and you basically guided a mindful walking, breathing, open eye, mindful eating, tea meditation. Um, in the context of this super accessible waiting in line at Starbucks meditation with this guy. And I was like, this is cool. This woman understands meditation. And, um, and yeah, and then you put me on the stage and you were the only person in my audience there and you still made me sit up on the platform. And, uh, and yeah, we did a meditation right then. And I think that you, you gave me some some really good feedback, which I appreciated because I had also not ever experienced someone giving me feedback on a meditation. You know, I had been doing these meditations and people just come out and they're like, blah, 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 blah. thank you. Yes. Thank you. Good. I like it. You know, and, uh, and you were like, that was really good. So here's the thing. Uh, here's a little note here. And when you said this, I kind of thought this, so like maybe rethink that word choice. And uh, when can you start? <laughs> so yeah, that was really, really cool. I remember definitely feeling like I had met you before. You felt so familiar. And I didn't know if that was just that we were coming from such a similar place or if we had genuinely ever interacted before, which is totally possible. I was in New York in the PR universe. And so it could have happened, but I, I don't know. I think it was more, um, I think it was more like an immediate familiarity with uh, what you were offering. Um, and so for me, not long after that, what was so, what was so important about, about that was I got the opportunity to, to teach a lot more classes than I had been. Uh, which which let me really clock some time working with individuals going through a lot of different things. And when you spend a few years working with a lot of people going through a lot of different things, you learn a thing or two, <laughs> you know, and um, and I loved I loved um, just the ecosystem of unplugged meditation where you held a space that felt bigger than unplug. It felt like it was this bigger idea that we all really needed. We needed to just get cool together. We didn't need to believe the same things about the universe together. Uh, we just needed to just like go into that safe neutral zone. And, um, and I, and I know we've spoken about this, but I've always felt since I was really little that that was sort of the key to a new kind of experience globally, a new kind of experience even between nations you know nations are not going to be at war with each other if the if the if a critical mass of the populations of each nation are in relationship with each other and at peace with each other you know we don't we're at war with nations where we largely don't understand them we don't understand their culture we don't have friends over there that's that's what's happening in the biggest way and i think I to tell you really quickly that someone from abu dhabi reached out to us the other day and loves unplug Yes. Loves meditating, um, has been just meditating with Unplug. I don't know how he found us, but he wants to bring Unplug to his massive corporation. Yes, and I, just I will do it. That, like, Thank you for publicly offering that gig to me. Done. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, I'm not even kidding. You think, you think, you know, they're 12 hours ahead of us. So if you said that you would do it, I, I would say yes to that. Um, so anyway, so I was thinking about the fact that it's like bringing peace to the Middle East. 
right in a little slice I mean, yeah. and I think that's what we really do together is we bring peace to people who didn't know that they actually could access it so easily. Right. And without all of the, you know, I don't even know how to say it without all the life lessons and the guilt. Strings attached. Yeah. Strings attached. It's a, no, it's a clean access to peace. Right. And I think you really kind of do that especially even with your books. I mean, when I met you, you were transitioning, but right. since then, I think you've published, is it four books now? Four books. Yeah. Just That's unbelievable. In like maybe two years, has it been four books mm-hmm. in two years? Four books um, in two years. What are the titles of your books? Uh, the first book is Practical Meditation for Beginners. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second book is directed for a Christian audience because that's my my religious background mm-hmm. and so that one's called meditations on Christ mm-hmm. and that's an introduction of meditation sort of in that language in Christianese I always say mm-hmm. I wrote that book in another language Christianese <laughs> and um and uh and that because I because the the that community is first of all it's my community so it's it's sort of like my first language and it's um and there are subtle nuances that um, make that community more comfortable or less comfortable. So, so that book is really um, directed to bring meditation into a Christian context that's totally safe for traditional Christianity. And then the third book um, is called Daily Mindfulness. And um, that one is 365, te- technically 366 um, exercises, and it's set up like a calendar. So the idea is that if you really were to use that book daily, there's a rhythm of philosophical reflections, um, like meaningful quotes, uh, visualizations, physical exercises, mindfulness exercises. So there's a rhythm so that each day it's a little bit different. As you and I know, the diversity of different kinds of practices is really where you start to see it show up in a lot of different areas of your life. If you're on an accelerated path of healing or transformation, trying a bunch of different things, being open to a bunch of different things is a huge accelerator. I want to just add that I love that book so much, not just because there's so many cool practices in there, but I love it because I like hanging out with my friends and opening up their birthday and reading the meditation of their birthday. And I think especially for people who are new teachers, who are just starting out looking for different ways to kind of access or connect with people, it is such a perfect book for teachers also to help them teach people who just don't even know what meditation is. So it's just such a simple, fun, amazing gift for anyone. I love that book. Totally. Okay, Especially, let's talk about your, your well, next one, modern spirituality. <laughs> well, one more thing about the about the year long one. There's um, there's uh, so much that's sort of like unconsciously interesting. It's almost like drawing a card from a deck when you pull up someone's birthday, mm-hmm. you know, and you kind of see if there's any synchronicity or symbolic anything about that birthday. So I love doing that too. Um, we, we, I just had an idea. Um, we should just record every single meditation in that book. Oh, yeah. And, and then just be like, close your eyes, insert 10 minutes. <laughs> like, how great would that be? Oh, yeah. Why did totally. we not do that yet? Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Well, there's 366 of them. So that's probably we could, what we, we could crank that out in an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I have to like read them real quick. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that I think that that's a really fun one. And like you mentioned, it's really good for teachers. A lot of meditation teachers. Uh, first of all, when I started teaching there, it was a different universe, you know, and so so I kind of brought yoga and and my my uh, comparative religious studies degree and um, hypnotherapy in together to create sort of what I was offering. Now there's more clear like meditation teacher trainings, which I think are really good. And I think that the I think that what I was researching, studying, and everything helped. Um, the I think we we were all just there, part of this movement where now there's teacher trainings. Unplug has a great teacher training, and um, I know that. Um, I know I've been hearing from a lot of people, some who've done the meditation, the unplugged meditation teacher training and other programs too, who are really appreciating my books as resources, mm -hmm. as teachers. So I'm really appreciating um, that too, just practical resources. My books are not about me. They're, they're tools and resources that are, that are used. And I recently did an event, uh, a United Nations sponsored event. Uh, for an organization called Beacon House School System. They have 500,000 students in their program and they're underage, they're kids. They're, it's like a regular K through 12 educational school system program. Uh, it started out as a Montessori school and, and about 20 years ago, it, it transitioned to this other, it's its own organization now. And um, I spoke at their annual conference uh, which was sponsored by the UN. It's, it's mostly Middle East, it's Pakistan, India, Dubai, um, a, a, a number of different areas like Malaysia and and even Thailand and and the Philippines. So it's it's it was Islamic nations primarily that we were speaking to, but I did an hour long address on taking mindfulness into the schools, and we gave out ten thousand copies of daily mindfulness. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, really cool, right? <laughs> Rippling um, the ripple that that will bring is so massive. So I love that, that yeah. you're spreading peace on such a huge scale. And you do a lot with corporate clients as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, working right now with Hilton International, uh, which has been amazing. We've been doing a number of different things with them. We're getting unplugged. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but we're- <laughs> love that. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're gonna see we're manifesting it. That. We're manifesting it. I know Hilton really wants to do it. Um, it's a matter of logistics, I think, at this point. But but I think it's all really good signs that the that the world is realizing. Look, you know, just because something's not perfect in your life doesn't mean you need a pill. Doesn't mean you need to break up with that person. Doesn't mean you need a new job right away. It might mean that you just need a moment for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, I think people don't really understand how simple this practice is that anybody can do this you do not need to be smart you do <laughs> not need to be educated you do not need to be anything other than take a moment and just slow down your breath and it's so powerful i really want the whole world to do this because i feel like it would just change the whole world and we need yeah. to change we need to get out of this stress epidemic that's happening globally mm -hmm. and Affecting people on such a huge level, um, physically, right, and mentally, yeah, kids Definitely. especially. So I'm like loving that you're doing this with kids. Yeah. And I, I know we're like glossing over modern spirituality, and right. there's even another book happening after that. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, but I don't have a title on that one yet. 
Okay. Uh, but yeah, modern spirituality is the newest one. And um, I'm super excited about that one because as you know, I am really interested in the different cultures. And so, so for, uh, for a person who really wants the meditation practices, daily mindfulness or practical meditation for beginners of my books or Unplug by you are great books for that. Um, but someone who's really interested in um, touches of the other cultures, this isn't exactly a National Geographic book, uh, but it's, it's touches of different cultures and, and, and it's a, it's just an open-ended consideration. It's, it's, let's just consider that all the different religions in the world are good. Let's just consider that all the different spiritual traditions in the world are, um, are compatible and and that was that's in some ways it's a really revolutionary concept. In other ways, it's really not. Um, uh, imagine that people who are trying to be spiritual are trying to be good to each other, even if they have different beliefs, you know. And so, modern spirituality is sort of um, it's less of a theological treatise on that idea and more of um, a practical um, experience of what if all the science that we have today is pretty much accurate? And what if all the traditions and practices of all the different cultures are pretty much accurate? Let's try this out, you know? So that book has a lot with neuroplasticity, the science of habits, um, interrupting a habit after its trigger so that you can rewire the neural pathways and establish new, uh, new patterns. Uh, so I put a big emphasis on the fact that every world spiritual tradition is based on self-purification and self-transformation. And so if we want to make it very mainstream and normal, we just say, look, you can go from stressed and anxious to calm and confident. And that's a mini transformation, but it's not so many if you're the one experiencing it. It might not sound like that big of a deal as words coming in your ear, but stressed and concerned to calm and confident when you're feeling it is a big freaking jump on the on the Richter scale. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, yeah. I want to ask you a question too. There's two things. First of all, I want to shout out your mom, whose yes. name is Karma. Yes, Karma and Decker. <laughs> gives good karma and when i say that i mean she has this amazing chocolate brand yep. that ben has given me her chocolates and i love them so much that i'm shouting her out in the hopes that we'll get more <laughs> <laughs> i didn't technically buy them although i technically ate all of them and you feel great so i love that her name is karma i love that she's making chocolates to make people feel good mm -hmm. and you grew up mormon yes unusual yeah or anyone who isn't Mormon. Right, exactly, which is most people. Yeah, to understand what that means and mm -hmm. how it's impacted you. Okay, let's go for it. So here's the big thing, the big, big, big one that a lot of people don't know uh, because, because Mormons are generally pretty quiet about their actual religion. So there's sort of like the what happens in the temples and then what happens publicly. So we have church buildings where the normal church services every Sunday happen that any, anyone's welcome to. And then there's what happens in the temples, which only higher level initiates of the religion go into. Um, and so that's the part where people don't always realize how deep and how mystical and spiritual the tradition actually really is, because those components are extremely private. Um, but the biggest foundation, the name of the church is the Church of Jesus Christ 
So it's a Christian tradition. Um, they believe that Jesus is a, a human brother of ours, but he's also a God. And so the big, big theological difference is that, and this is like the big controversy, I'm just going right for it, that Mormons believe that we are of a divine origin and that this life in human in the human world on planet Earth is the training ground to become a god. Um, and and what what is a god before they die? They're called a saint. And so the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints is a religion based on training all of the members to become saints. And so we go through real. At it, I'm just kind of like. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. No one knows that. Even it's in it's in the title, Latter Day Saints. When you start to think about it, Latter Day refers to like today, modern day, mm -hmm. um, and then Saints is it is what it is, you know. And so the the whole idea that I was introduced to really really young was that I was this infinite angel, this immortal eternal being, born into a temporary body. And that the body had its own patterns and urges that I was going to have to overcome to become a saint. So a saint is someone who purifies themselves enough to overcome the automatic behaviors of the body. Uh, like, uh, like getting triggered, being patient. Uh, it's love, joy, peace, generosity, kindness, gentleness. Those are the qualities of a saint. Uh, in the Bible, they call them the fruit of the spirit, which means you're, you're following the spirit. The spirit is the aspect of ourselves that is infinite and eternal. And so being raised Mormon is also like being raised in a really advanced, esoteric, mystical religion where there's rigorous practices, rigorous study. I was, I entered the, um, I started to do temple rituals when I was 14 years old. I entered the priesthood when I was 12. Um, so if you can imagine that, you know, 12 years old, most people are concerned about whatever. I was becoming a, a deacon in the priesthood. Um, and then at age 14, I became a teacher. And so I was teaching and I was performing certain ancestor purification rituals, ceremonies in the temples where my, and these temples are very elaborate. It, they're like palaces on the inside. Like if you go, do a Google image search of the inside of an LDS temple, they're, they're magnificent. And um, after this conversation, <laughs> yeah, Google it after Google image search, you'll be like, what, this is so chic. I want to live in one of these. Um, but yeah, they might be a little, a tad outdated, some of them. Um, but the, uh, the experience entails wearing all white and my father wore all white and we went into this, it looks like a magical hot tub. <laughs> I hope I'm not offending any Mormons who hear this, but it's, um, it's in this very elegant ceremonial chamber inside the temple uh, with very elegant, you've got to just look it up. And my father and I both wearing all white went into the water and he said a special prayer for particular names of ancestors. And so you go one ancestor at a time and you uh, stand in the water, the water's maybe waist deep. And he baptized me 
for and on behalf of all these other ancestors. And so the baptism ritual, the body going into the water symbolizes purification and healing and forgiveness. And so similar to the Eastern traditions of ancestor purification rituals, um, we, we went one ancestor at a time and, we, and, and the idea is that they're forgiven of anything that they've ever done while they were alive. Um, and, and this is not their languaging, but, but I was raised with the term karma in my house. So essentially the, the spiritual practice, the belief is that, that any negative karma that could have come from that ancestor uh, that they may be experiencing in the afterlife um, or that may have resulted in in other people's lives experiencing negativity because of anything that they did the idea was that it was a petition to the universe for that to be healed and for that karma to be cleared so uh, by 16 i was a full-fledged priest um, and that's about the time I became a Reiki master and, and all that. So, so the good thing about being raised Mormon um, is that it was very, very spiritual. It had me thinking about eternity. It had me thinking about my, my human body being a temporary thing early, early on. So I wasn't identifying with the body um, really young. So if you can imagine being four, five, six years old and your parents telling you things like that and, and teaching you songs about it so that you're like repeating the affirmation of it in your mind mm -hmm. um, there's one that's especially powerful and it and it uses like the religious word god um and the but it but it could mean anything could mean the universe could mean the the cosmic energy of of all that is all that lives in the universe mm -hmm. and the lyrics are i'm a child of god and he has sent me here he's given me an earthly home with parents kind and dear God, lead me, guide me, walk beside me, help me find the way. And, and just like thinking of what we know about affirmations and what we know about chants, um, just to say like, lead me, guide me, walk beside me, help me find the way, just to say that in your mind mm -hmm. surrenders your worry to a, a higher power, even if that's your own higher self, whatever your belief is, doesn't really matter. It's a higher power that's not the part of you that's triggered lead me guide me walk beside me is that at the very least another part of your own mind that's not triggered right now <laughs> i love that i yeah. love that so much um it's so interesting because unplug is a secular space right and we do not bring religion or politics into the studio and now we're we're also taking out disease so because these are all the things that trigger people right and What's been fascinating is a lot of the teachers have beliefs right? and they're pretty strong about their beliefs and they want to share their beliefs, but they <laughs> don't do it inside of Unplug, right. which is why David G sometimes calls me a purist. He's like, you're a purist. I'm like, I'm not a purist. I'm just kind of figuring out everything. I'm a minimalist. Yeah. Let's mm -hmm. say that. Yeah. But I think it's fascinating that I work with a lot of these amazing teachers who, like I know you specifically, have learned transcendental meditation mm -hmm. and you've studied different lineages and you've studied different philosophies and you are, you know, so wise beyond your years, Ben. And I know I a lot of people feel that in your teaching and, and we just know that, that that's the truth of you. And so it must be hard in a way as a teacher, knowing so much, learning so much and feeling so 
connected to certain lineages to strip all that out? Uh, I think I think it's it was hard for me, um, especially towards the beginning, um, but I I learned to really respect it, and and once I started to really experience how how beneficial it was to approach it that way and how respectful it, it is of, of the audience to approach it that way. Um, I learned to really embrace it. And I did learn to embrace that before my first book ever came out, you know? So it was really, I, I often, when I'm telling people about my mentors, of course you hear about Sharon Salzberg and Marianne Williamson and, and um, but the thing is, I always share about you, too, because you held me to this standard where it was like, sorry, sorry, these are the rules. This is how we need to do it here. It needs to be safe for everyone here, you know, and and maybe a whole bunch of people in the room might like that you said this Holy Spirit, but we don't say that here just because that's not the jargon that we use here at Unplug, you know? And, um, and, I, and I really appreciated um, just the reality that what, what I, I felt like we were co-creating something, um, especially since you were so present with me in what I was saying and what was important to me that, um, that yeah, it's hard because I'm a geek about it. So I want to say, oh, yeah, well, did you know that in the Vedic traditions, they blah, 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 blah. And, the, and in the Mahabharata, did you know that they actually talk about the incarnations of planet Earth and planet Earth is becoming enlightened? You know what I mean? It's like there's I, so the part of me that's like a social talkative geek person really wants to go there with it, you know, and with with a one on one client. I can tailor it more around uh, what they've shared, maybe their childhood religion or, or what they're attracted to or, or whatever now. But in the group context, I think it's a great practice for us to, even just me as the guide, to get really comfortable using more universal unifying language. Because mm-hmm. um, you know, my heart is with the United Nations, you right. know? My heart is is in uh, the political dimension, not conventional politics, um, but a new expression of politics that maybe maybe is yet to fully uh, manifest. Maybe maybe we're gonna do it. <laughs> uh, but the but I feel like I've gotten really great training from you, from the best, um, and from my other teachers in different ways. But specifically from you, I feel like you really helped prepare me for. Um, sharing the heart of my message in a way that more people would be able to receive it. Right. And, and I think that's, that's where the minimalism comes in. And yeah. it's like knowing the words and not, I mean, and I, I find this with some teachers, but not unplugged teachers, is that unplugged teachers are able to drop words and have people have their own personal experiences and not lean them in one direction or another direction. Right. Because sometimes you'll say, notice if you're feeling any pain. And of course, everybody's going to go to pain. Right. Sad and unplugged, we always say, just notice how you're feeling. Yeah, exactly. And everybody goes to where they actually are feeling. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. kind of how, when, you're, when you simplify things, it actually becomes, I think, 10 times more profound. It's more effective and beneficial for the individual. It just basically is, you know, there's sometimes um, really nice things about going 
uh, really specific if there's a particular illustration, maybe you're in a workshop and we're and we want to gain insight around a particular idea or something like that. But what I find is um, especially more and more uh, because this, as we started with, this was not something I thought was going to ever be a career. But now that it is a career, in some ways I was born for it, you know, in some ways it was like, I was like destined for it, Ding! Yes. you know, <laughs> um, but I never, I never saw it that way. And, um, and now seeing that there are, you know, since COVID suicide rates have doubled and um and other mental breakdowns and episodes and things like that are just popping up left and right and and what's great about the minimalist approach to meditation is that we're not trying to force some kind of spiritual result some kind of particular breakthrough what we're doing is holding space so that your own natural healing faculties and mechanism can kind of come in so your own heart can soften so your own body can relax so your own bloodstream can dilute those stress hormones you know it's not about me really it's not about indoctrination it's about exploration right and i i think especially with with suicide and depression which is it's so sad i mean i know we've all been touched by it right. big time during these last few months Sometimes I feel like people say meditation does this, meditation does that, meditation can cure this, it can cure that. Mm -hmm. And on one hand, I personally feel all the benefits of meditation all the time. But on the other hand, it's important to say that it may help mm -hmm. with these things. Right. Um, it may help with depression. The one thing it does do, which it gives you space to be able to observe the triggers. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest issue is when we get triggered, my old self before meditation, we just feel it and, you know, <laughs> the village, take it out on someone or freak out yep. on myself or, you know, start sweating. That doesn't happen anymore because I pause myself mm -hmm. so that I can be more responsive instead of reactive. There's a lot of hard things that we all have to overcome right now. A lot. I mean, the problems keep coming, keep coming, mm -hmm. keep coming. We can't mm -hmm. stop it. Right. But knowing that, and I heard this quote the other day, and I have no idea who said it, but I love it, that we've survived 100% of our worst days ever. Yes. So far. Means that we can survive many more to come. Right. And yeah. And <laughs> even not to go too dark on it you know but i think i think another thing is like look death is also part of life so even even if you don't survive whatever is coming through everyone you've ever loved who ever died made it through death so even death itself is part of this process when we when we lose someone we love mm -hmm. um we ha we go through like an initiation where we start to experience the world without this person that's been in it this whole time, you know, Horrible. Um, but, but also just part of it, you know, just, you know, as, as painful as a broken heart is, um, it's part of what it means to mature mm -hmm. and to grow. And I think that that's what that space of observing is the wisdom uh, occurs when, 
when you see more and you and you can then apply that which you've seen and and know in in new ways and uh, when we really observe ourselves take ourselves seriously just for a moment and maybe not so seriously at the same time and and that's another thing with meditation containing the reality of a paradox you know holding the the both sides of it where it's like look I'm going to be present with myself and take my life seriously, but I'm not going to take myself so seriously at the same time, you know, and just like, let, look, you're smart. Even if you don't think that you're like a well-educated, intelligent person, and maybe you haven't studied um, social work or psychology, or, or, and, or you're going through something that maybe you need some help with or a coach with, those are out there in the world. There's plenty that are doing it for free on Instagram live, you know? Um, but the, the thing is that it, you're right. It, the meditation may help with these things because it comes down to you. It's, it's always up to the individual. I'm in charge of my life. Um, you know, you're someone that supports me, but you're not in charge of my life. You know, no matter how desperate or scared or worried I get, no matter how much you want to help and make it happen for me, I've got to do it you know so there's there's a certain kind of empowerment that comes when you start to really realize like look meditation is going to be a tool to help get me ready for something it's it's what the bodybuilders say at the gym the weight doesn't get any lighter you get stronger right you know uh one thing that comes up uh, especially around like the anxiety and depression and stuff is you know we oftentimes will affirmation ourselves into like a fake good mood and um and in meditation we allow the feeling to be there and we breathe through it i have to giggle <laughs> have to giggle on that could you say that again that was a drop the mic moment <laughs> we affirmation ourselves into a fake good mood I do it all the time, but I have to say it works. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to be someone who champions that because yeah. I believe if you wake up every day and you say, today is going to be a great day. Right. Well, see, day. that's the thing. That's the thing. What is your attachment to? I'm going to feel great today, no matter what is one thing, but I'm going to sell this house today is another thing. I'm going to feel great today, no matter what. Yeah. So versus an attachment to a specific outcome. And, mm -hmm. and I think it was, I want to say Little Miss Sunshine, um, a movie that came out and the mother character, it was a long time ago, I can't really remember it. Uh, the mother character was a realtor. And she was walking through this listing. She was about to do a, um, an open house day. And she was like opening the curtains and she was like, I'm going to sell this house today. <laughs> and she's like vacuuming. She was like, I'm going to sell this house today. She opens the, you know, the backyard. She's sweeping the, the, the leaves away from the pool. I am going to sell this house today. And she's using this affirmation and she's all, she looks great. Her hair and makeup is great. She's very professional. And then it shows her going one by one with all these people coming through. And this person was like, hey, your listing said the pool was lagoon-like. This doesn't look like a lagoon. And, the, and another person's like, this is a luxury bathroom? I don't think so. And long story short, she goes through the whole day of all these, um, these buyers, these potential buyers coming through her open house, and none of them want the house. And at the end of the day, she she takes the sign in, the open house is closed, and she falls to the floor in the living room and she slaps herself in the face and she's just 
hating herself, slapping herself in the face, calling herself all these horrible names. And I remember just watching this woman go from this super positive, I'm going to sell this house today, to hating herself and berating herself for not being able to do it. Sometimes today's not the day. You know, and so there does have to be a certain kind of trusting the process because all I wanted to do was hold that woman's hands and stop her from slapping herself in the face and say, you look so beautiful today. You did such a great job with all those people that came into your listing. You were so patient with all of them, you know, but of course it was a movie and it was a scene and I couldn't do that. But it just, it broke my heart so much to think of, especially a mother. You know, as a mama's boy myself, um, just to think of how hard my mom works at her passion projects and all the mothers that I know, like you and Marianne Williamson and the other mothers in my life who who have careers that they're very passionate about, they, they work hard on. I just want to say you're beautiful and fabulous, even if you don't sell the house today. You know, well, I have to say it doesn't feel like I'm working because I love what I do so much. Yeah. Yeah, and I you're on it. You, you got that clicked in. If I wasn't doing this, I would be doing this just for myself. So now this gives me the opportunity to do this for a reason. Yeah. Um, I love this so much, but Donald Miller, who I always talk about, who wrote the book, Building a Story Brand, I'm such a fan. I'm doing a course with him called Business Made Simple. And one of the things that he has you do is you write your own obituary. And look at your obituary every day. And apparently if you do this, obviously I'm only, I'm only on module three right now. So I can't tell you everything that happens. But he did say this fantastic quote. He said, take the pencil away from fate because fate is a terrible writer. And if you rely too much on what's going to happen with fate, then you will be stuck. So take the pencil away from fate and start focusing on what it is you want from your own life, put it on paper, take a look at it and work towards that goal. Yes. You'll probably end up there a lot faster. Ben, our time is up, but I just want to say that I've absolutely loved having you be a part of Unplugged Meditation. You, I feel like people always say, Susie, I can't believe how much you've helped me, but it's really you who've helped so many then. And I get to take the credit for you all the time, especially my mom who literally, as I mentioned in the beginning, sleeps with Ben every single night. I know a lot of other women who do that too. Um, just on the Unplug app, to clarify, <laughs> because his sleep meditation is insanely good. But I want you all to try um, to experience Ben in a lot of different ways, whether it's on the Unplug app, whether it is on reading one of his books or just following him on his social media account, which is what, again, is your social media account? Benjamin W. Decker. It's Instagram. no longer the real Ben Decker. It's now Benjamin. How'd you get your feedback? <laughs> well, I had to do my middle initial. Okay, that's good. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? That's, that's what my publisher wanted to do with the book anyway. So I just made it all very official. I, I like it more. I like it more. That's for sure. Well, thank you, Ben, so much. And thank you all for listening to the Unplugged Meditation Podcast. We'll see you again next Monday. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to the Unplug podcast with meditations from the Unplug app. We hope you have a calm, present, and happy day.